Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to the Caixin Zinica Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. And I'm Andrew Shen in Paris. First, a look at the week's news. Smartphone maker Xiaomi is back in the black after losses last year, but investors are not impressed. The company's Hong Kong-listed shares actually fell after Xiaomi reported its second quarter profit of more than $2 billion. This is in contrast to its loss of $1 billion in the first quarter. The turnaround was due largely to strong smartphone sales. Xiaomi is now the world's number four phone seller. However, analysts cautioned that Xiaomi's description of itself as an internet company instead of a hardware company will be put to the test going forward since internet services account for less than a tenth of its revenues, which are mostly dependent on smartphones. Chinese celebrity monk Shi Xuecheng has resigned after two former colleagues accused him of sexually harassing female disciples. China's National Religious Authority has finally weighed in on the scandal, confirming the allegations and saying that text messages were among the incriminating evidence found in their investigation of Shi. Shi, considered one of the top Buddhist leaders in China, is the latest figure to face accusations amid China's own version of the Me Too movement, which earlier this year exposed misconduct by several academics and civil society figures. China's decades-old Hukou household registration system effectively shortens migrant workers' careers by 15 years, according to a prominent legislator. That's because the system makes it difficult for rural migrants to fully integrate into cities, shutting them out of job creation programs when they grow older and forcing them to retire earlier. The hukou system was originally designed to restrict the flow of residents from rural to urban areas, as residency was tied closely to access to benefits, such as monthly rations, under China's planned economy. But after China began to open up in the late 1970s, the system could no longer rigidly prevent people from moving around. Calls have begun for an overhaul of the system so that China can still tap into the dividend from its abundant pool of migrant laborers. LinkedIn better spruce up its resume because there's competition for the job. Chinese competitor Mai Mai just closed a new $200 million fundraising round, putting it in so-called unicorn status, 
a startup with a valuation of at least $1 billion U.S. dollars. MyMy is planning an IPO in the U.S. next year with a target value of $10 billion U.S. dollars. Founded in 2013, MyMy has 50 million total registered users as of the end of July. Growth has been fast this year. Its monthly active users more than doubled in the past five months. Its biggest rival, Microsoft-owned LinkedIn, has about 40 million users in China. MyMy has attracted users with features such as office gossip and anonymous messaging, but some of the features have been controversial. Last month, the company was ordered by Chinese authorities to close its anonymous messaging section for issues that included insulting posts and infringement of privacy. A group of Chinese companies stole up to billions of pieces of user data from 96 tech companies, including from e-commerce giant Alibaba, in the country's latest case of privacy violations. The group, led by Shenzhen-listed Sheng Technology, hijacked the user data from Tencent's WeChat and Alibaba's e-commerce site, Taobao. The data were then sold to advertisers. The data hijacking was possible due to a business partnership created in 2014 when Sheng became a third-party developer for China's big telecom carriers. Sheng then placed malicious software onto the servers of the state-owned carriers, gaining access to enormous amounts of user data, according to information from the security department of Alibaba, which has aided local police in the case. Several company executives have since been arrested and charged with illegally collecting user data. China's online population surpassed 800 million this summer, according to a new report, with the number of people using the internet to manage their finances or hail rides expanding particularly quickly. That means that 58% of China's 1.4 billion people are now online, and most are using mobile phone versus computers. The report also delved into over 200 types of online behavior. For example, how many people use the internet to read news, listen to music, play games, or carry out banking transactions. It singled out three uses of the internet that saw the fastest expansion since the start of the year. Financial management, private car hailing, and taxi hailing. Thanks, Ada. A new segment here on the show that we call Five Things. Next month, delegates from dozens of African countries are expected to meet in Beijing for the Sixth Forum on China-Africa Cooperation, or FOCAC, which is China's official platform for engaging with the African continent. Here are five things that you should know about the summit. So first, what does China aim to achieve? Well, in short, China wants to increase economic cooperation with African countries with a particular focus on Belt and Road projects. So this is all happening in the context of U.S.-China trade tensions, the trade war, and Beijing has naturally wanted to emphasize its trade with other regions, including, of course, Africa. Number two, what do the African member states hope to get out of the summit? Africa is, of course, massive and diverse with 54 countries, so naturally there is a huge range of economic policy goals, but there are some common threads, including infrastructure investment and trade. So, for instance, the president of Guinea said he hoped to increase mineral exports to China. Botswana's leader said he will ask China for concessional loans or grants to fund the country's road network and other infrastructural projects. Number three, what have the results of Sino-African economic cooperation been so far? 
China has been the largest source of bilateral loans to African countries since 1998. And during that same 20-year period, trade between China and African countries grew more than 40-fold. But uh, African exports to China have fallen below Chinese exports to Africa in the years since the previous summit in 2015, so there's a pretty big trade deficit now. An analyst told Caixin that typically Africa is selling raw materials to China and then purchasing higher-value-added products from China. Number four, how has the world perceived China's involvement in Africa? Well, it's really run the gamut from celebrating South-South cooperation to accusing China of, of neo-colonialist ambitions. Uh, in 2015, 62% of people surveyed in 37 African countries said China's economic and political influence on their country was mostly positive. Uh, but voices criticizing China's practice of extending massive loans as a debt trap for African countries have definitely grown louder in recent years. And finally, number five, what tangible results will the summit produce? Well, well, each of these summits has ended with the unveiling of a three-year action plan to be carried out by China and by the participating African countries. At the last summit, which was in Johannesburg in 2015, uh, China pledged to provide $60 billion in funding for the continent by 2018 through a combination of grants and aid and loans and export credits. China also committed to assisting in a number of projects, including government scholarships for African youth uh, and a drive to bring satellite TV access to 10,000 villages across the continent. Most of these agreements were either completed or are currently being implemented. So let's turn now, as we do each week, to some of Caixin Global's reporters and editors for a look at some of the bigger stories in the news this week. First up is Caixin Global Managing Editor Doug Young. Doug, uh, as we so often do, we have a story about Tencent, uh, but this one's decidedly different from what you're used to hearing. Uh, Doug, give us the background on this. Okay. This one uh, is, a, is a bit of a complex story, but uh, there was a, a story about Tencent, which is the big 500-pound gorilla when it comes to gaming, and they had apparently yanked one of their newest games called Monster Hunter World. It was a Japanese title, and it's supposed to be quite popular. Tencent had the licensing rights for it in China, and they put it up on August 8th. Uh, and then five days later, August 13th, they suddenly took it down. And, and in its place, there was this slightly cryptic message, basically apologizing to gamers, uh, saying that there'd been some complaints about the game, contrition dripping everywhere. It was like, well, we won't do this again. And we realized the, the error of our ways and stuff. So, of course, everybody's saying, well, what happened? Tencent, of course, isn't saying anything, but everyone is figuring there was some sort of run-in with the regulator but nobody's really sure what the run-in with the regulator was. The regulator's been, there isn't just one, there's several regulators, but regulators in general this year have been quite tough on video and entertainment type sites in general. So this could have been one of the, the factors, but then sort of in the midst of all this talk, it comes out that apparently the one of the two regulators that, that oversees the gaming industry hasn't approved any new gaming titles since March. So it's been almost half a year, and, and so now this has become a much bigger issue. Uh, it's not just Tencent in this one game, but in fact, no games have been approved since March. And, and I actually talked with a few gaming people, and you know, they were like, uh, this isn't good for an industry where you know, it's very cyclical and games, 
tend to do really well, you know, for the first whatever year after their release. So you're taking all the games out of the pipeline. So people are, are theorizing that maybe Tencent, since they've got pretty good connections in the government, maybe they'd gotten some sort of informal nod that it would be okay for them to release this game. And so they did that. But then the regulator said, no, you can't do that until we give you the formal release. And, and again, this is all just people speculating. So before we talk about the impact on the broader industry of this tightening down, has this had much of an impact on Tencent itself? So the same week that this happened, this this was all happening Monday, Tuesday-ish in the week. And then later in the week, Tencent put out their latest earnings report there, which would be for the second quarter. So April, May, June. Of course, this is like the thick of the gaming suspension, right? Because it started in March. So this is the quarter that's going to really take a, a beating. And, and sure enough, uh, Tencent revealed that it, it posted its first profit decline in 13 years. And I, I think that probably means basically since the company went public, because that's about how long they've been public. So basically, this incredible profit decline, revenue still grew, but it, it grew at a slower rate. So basically, Tencent's stock has just taken a, a total beating this past week. So, so what about the bigger industry, the game sector, uh, and the markets more broadly? The bigger industry, uh, people are asking what's happening, and I don't know if we want to go into that. Maybe we can come back to that later. Uh, why Why is the regulator freezing? Uh, a lot of people are saying it's probably a, a bureaucratic thing rather than a, a censorship, any sort of crackdown thing. But, you know, in terms of the bigger industry, it's not just Tencent. You know, Tencent is obviously the biggest. Uh, there's a, another company called NetEase, which is the second biggest, and the, the two of them control something like three quarters or something of China's gaming market combined. So they're they're quite a, a potent force, but everybody's feeling the hit. You know, if I'm a company that has to put out games and that's my bread and butter, and there's this six-month period where I suddenly can't publish anything new, you know, that's, that's going to take a hit. So we saw a lot of the gaming stocks and, and a lot of the, the video stocks in general uh, and entertainment stocks took a, a bit of a hit last week. Uh, one of the really big ones was a company called Huya that just went public in May, and they do uh, live broadcasting, which is like another big hot thing in China, but also has been sort of the subject of a crackdown. And I think their stock was down more than 20%. I think that the Tencent sort of everybody was worried about just the general situation. So a lot of these stocks fell. Aichi, the, the Baidu-backed video site, was also down quite a bit. Well, thanks for that, Doug, and we will talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Kaiser. Next up is Coco Fung, business reporter for Caixin Global, and uh, we're going to try something new here and do two within two, or two stories in two minutes. Our first one's a story about some of China's big and often battled companies, Huawei and ZTE, and the trouble they've had down under. What's the news, Coco? So the news is that Beijing is getting angry now again, but this time not only with the U.S., but also Australia, because the country has just imposed a ban on major Chinese telecom companies, Huawei and ZTE, of providing the new generation 5G technology to Australia due to national security concerns. So Australia is concerned about national security and vital infrastructure and this new 5G technology. But uh, for these two companies, this is part of a bigger picture of problems they've had this year. Is that correct? Right. We can still remember what uh, ZTE has encountered earlier with the U.S. sanctions. 
the ban almost caused its major operations to halt, but it was lifted later after it paid $1 billion fine. And also, like U.S. lawmakers have previously tried to ban government agencies from buying products from Huawei and ZTE too. So last week, the U.S. President Donald Trump signed a new defense bill that uh, had some restrictions on transactions with Huawei and ZTE too. Okay, Coco. Uh, moving on now to story number two, which is about lotteries in China. Uh, in China, when you talk about lotteries, there's really two types. One is the more familiar type in which you you buy a lottery ticket, you guess some numbers, and you pray. And, and the other is a sports lottery. Uh, so in this story, which type are we talking about here? Yeah, we're talking about both. So what's the story here, Coco? Basically, it is banned to buy lotteries online in China. But still, there are so many apps that offer this service and willing to take the risk. But uh, but recently, Apple has been blamed harshly due to this. After it it was criticized by the state-owned broadcaster CCTV, it has removed around 25,000 such illegal apps from its app store. Well, hearing that, uh, my first thought is, I can't believe there are still so many apps that were doing this on the Apple App Store. Uh, That's amazing. Uh, How are they getting away with this? Uh, But some of the apps, they just claim that they only provided data and help you to project the, the next results based on big data. And some of them said they buy the tickets offline on behalf of you. And what about the non-Apple situation? I mean, Android apps and Android app stores are a whole lot bigger in China. Uh, So why single out Apple? When it comes to Android, because Google Play is blocked in China, there are several uh, domestic operators that run their own Android app stores. And we did some search and found that there are still dozens of those lottery apps existing. And we had an um, industry observer who said that there is actually such a double standard in terms of this issue. Well, great. Thanks, Coco. And we will check in with you again next week. Thank you. Thank you. And that's this week's show. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Cynical Business Brief is powered by SubChina and is produced by Kaiser Guo and Tanner Brown with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Thanks, of course, to Ada Shen. Special thanks to Lizin of Caixin Global and to Spring and Autumn and Fei for the music. Check out the latest podcast in our Seneca network, New Voices on Women in China, as well as our flagship current affairs show, Seneca. And be sure to follow the news from China every day at SubChina. Sign up for our free email newsletter at subchina.com. Take care.